We always hear that investing is one of the best ways to build wealth over time. But what if you're in debt? Can you still invest while you're in debt? Today on Adulting, we'll talk about this very issue. Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I am here with Miranda Marquette. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, this is fun because I love talking about investing, and I love talking about how to get started at investing, so I'm very excited about this episode. And I love talking about getting out of debt, so I think uh, I think this is going to be a great one. Yeah, we both get what we want. Yay! <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, first of all, there are a lot of excuses that people use for not investing, and one of those is, in fact, being in debt. But is that really a good excuse? Uh, should you pay off debt before investing? Yeah, well, I think the idea of investing, first of all, doesn't even come to people, especially if they're in debt, and they don't consider it an option if they know what investing is in the first place. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people don't even, uh, it doesn't. it's not even on their radar when they're trying to dig out of debt. I actually started investing, even though I have student loan debt, and uh, when I did start investing, I had a little bit of credit card debt left. Knowing now what I didn't know then, I'm not sure that I would have started investing even though I had the credit card debt, but I still have student loan debt and I'm still investing. So (laughs) there's that. My situation sounds similar to yours. I started investing while I still had debt. Some of it was just due to the fact that my company was offering a retirement plan. That was something that while I was still paying off student loans, it made sense to defer some of my earnings for retirement. Or maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe I made the wrong decision. And that's something that I think we'll get to the bottom of during our podcast today. Yeah. So I think the first thing you need to ask yourself before you start drawing off money from paying down your debts, uh, because a lot of people are like, well, I've been paying down my debt. Now I'm going to take some of that money and start investing for my future. Uh, Before you start drawing off that money for the investment, what are some questions that you should be asking yourself? Well, I think the first issue is that, and this is often the case, we say, I'm going to set aside some of this money. Instead of paying off debt, I'm going to invest it. But how many people actually really do invest it when they say that that's what they're going to do? Especially if if we're towards the beginning. I mean, not ha- just investing for the first time, there are a lot of questions that people have. And often we'll want to wait until we really know everything before we go ahead and start investing. So we have this grand idea that we're going to start investing, set aside money, even though we're still paying off debt. And then it just, it never materializes. I think that's, we just have to be honest with ourselves and say, listen, if the money that I earn, if there's an a hundred percent chance, which might not be the case, but if there's a better chance of it, being effective for me by paying off debt, and we're not even looking at the numbers yet, but if it's going to be more effective for me to pay off the debt than it is for me to actually get going and figure out how to invest it, then you know, let's stop wasting time and actually do what we know how to do, and that's pay off the debt. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think a lot of the time 
we like, oh, well, we're going to, you know, I'm going to take part of this money and I'm going to invest it. But then, like you said, you get caught up. You don't know what you're doing. So the money sits there. Then all of a sudden you feel like you can use that money. So you spend it. And now you're not paying off debt and you're not investing. And that's a real problem. So I like that idea of first saying, okay, am I really going to invest this money? And then the next question you have to ask yourself, am I going to invest it intelligently? Yeah. And I I think that comes back to the idea that especially when we're first beginning with investing, we often don't know what we're doing and we perhaps trust people that we shouldn't trust. We get bad advice. We hear about buying stocks and and how well that does for people. So we think, "Ah, well, you know, I'm just going to buy, you know, shares in such and such a company instead of paying off debt because then I'll make a ton of money and I'll be able to pay off the debt later. Well, a lot of times you lose that money that you invest in specific companies. So we have to be very careful about how we invest to make sure that we're not killing ourselves on both ends of the spectrum here where we have this money, it can be used effectively, but we use it so poorly because we don't use it to pay off debt and we put it in an investment that's, uh, you know, that has a high chance of losing. So I think, uh, you know, being smart about this, if, if you haven't invested before, you might want to take your time and pay off debt in the meantime and do some research and make sure you know what you're doing when it comes to investing. And we have our own ideas as to what constitutes knowing what you're doing with investing as well. Yeah. And I think that's different for everyone. But for me personally, one of the reasons why I really like indexing is that it takes some of the <laughs> takes some of the guesswork out of it. You don't have to try and find a specific investment. Instead, when you're indexing, you're actually investing in everything that's on a specific index. So if you're investing, and there are some all market indexes that basically allow you to invest in everything on the stock market at once. So you make one investment and you've got everything. And I really enjoy indexing for that reason because I don't have to worry about Uh, things like PE ratio, and I don't have to worry about all this jargon. And even though I understand a lot of it, I don't have to deal with it. And so I think one good way to start is to start out, uh, if you want, by by indexing. And then uh, once you're started, you can start learning more about investing and maybe try some different things. But to me, the important thing is to get started. And we should probably make a real quick disclaimer here that we are not investment professionals. This is not investment advice. And you should do your own due diligence before you start. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to provide any specific investing answers, but we can tell listeners what it is that we do. And like Miranda, I also invest in a broad mutual fund that represents an index. And the reason why this is important is because nobody is running this and trying to beat the market. Because when people do that, when they try to be better than the stock market as a whole, almost always over the long term, they lose. So your best bet is if you're going to invest, invest in something that matches the market through an index fund. And it's really easy to do. And it's really the best thing you can do for your money um, in terms of if you're going to invest it. Now, the question is, is that even better for you financially than taking that same money and paying off debt. If you pay off debt where you have where you're paying interest every month, interest is can be a rather large expense. So eliminating expenses like interest is a big part of being in control of your finances as well. So that's that's what makes this a difficult decision. 
Yeah, and I think that's something that we'll talk about a little bit later as well. Uh, get more kind of dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, but yeah, and I think one of the things to remember is that you don't have to do just one or the other. You can work on paying down your debt even as you are investing. So that is something to think of. There are different combinations uh, you can get started. Yeah, I think we like to simplify and just say invest or pay off debt when the truth is you can do a combination. And a lot of the time we'll say, well, shouldn't I just eliminate all debt until or, or before I invest anything? Um, because eliminating debt is guaranteed to help me financially and eliminate those interest expenses. And I think we have to look beyond the numbers sometimes because some of those numbers are guesswork in the first place. And secondly, money isn't just about numbers. But even before we get to that, I mean, there are other things you have to think about. Even if you want to split and put part of your money towards investments and part of it towards paying off the debt that you have, you have to remember that um, at least you have to be able to pay the minimums on any debts that you have. Because if you're not meeting that, then, then you're digging yourself further into debt and doing yourself no favors by investing, um, investing for the future. Yeah. And I think on top of that, another consideration is whether or not you have an emergency fund. And I'm not talking about a massive emergency fund that has your nine months worth of expenses. I'm just talking about because a recent bank rate survey indicated that most Americans cannot handle a $400 emergency. And so I think before you get too much into this paying off debt versus investing, situation. You need to look and say, do I have an emergency fund? Do I have at least $1,000 where I could take care of these, these small things that come up? Because if your car breaks down and you need $600 to repair your car and you don't have this emergency fund, where are you going to put that money? Well, it's going right on your credit card and you're just digging yourself deeper. So I think asking yourself if you have at least some sort of small contingency fund that you can draw on for these sorts of unexpected situations, it can help you so that you can move forward with a little more confidence. Yeah, and that's a good argument for looking at your finances as an overall holistic picture, rather than narrowing into this very limited question of should I invest or pay off debt? I mean, you you do have to look at the big picture sometimes and realize that it's not a binary choice. And you have to consider lots of different aspects of your finances before you make that decision. Right. And I think another thing to consider is now you start looking, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, at uh, the guesswork. What can you realistically expect for your investment returns? Because you talk to some people and they're like, oh, well, you can get 12% annualized returns. And yeah, it's like, yeah, good luck with that, buddy. And if you're planning your life around getting 12% annualized returns, you're not going to be saving enough. You're not going to be investing enough for your future. Yeah. What we like to look at is okay, what is the interest rate on my debt? And a lot of times you have several uh, several lines of debt, so several different things, whether it's student loans, credit cards, uh, a car loan, a mortgage, all of these things can have different rates. And then you look at the potential earnings in your investments. And a lot of times we believe we're a lot more positive about the future than what we see actually happening. And I know that uh, our friend Carl Richards uh, with the Behavioral Gab has written about this quite quite a lot. Um, you know, those returns that we see advertised, even if it's, you know, the lower end of those predictions, which would be 8% annualized returns on a broad stock market investment, that's what we all try to do with our investments, and our mutual or index mutual funds, but 
the truth is that depending on when people get in and get out of the market, often they don't see those returns. Often it's it's less than that. So we're even even if we do look at it as a pure number game and whether we're going to be better off at the end of the year if we invest the money or if we pay off debt, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of volatility in investing. The benefit of paying off debt is that you know exactly what your benefit is going to be. If you have a 5% interest rate, you know that you're going to maintain, uh, you're going to keep all that money that you would normally spend on interest and you can figure out exactly how much that is and that's going to be your benefit. With investing, there's so much more guesswork. Yeah, that's a really good point. And a lot of the time, what I do when I'm reviewing my investment needs or reviewing my long-term goals is I will actually take that 8% and lower it. I will assume, I will make investments, I will decide how much I want to set aside each month based on like a 6% annualized return or a 5% annualized return. Just to bring it down a little bit and modify my expectations so that my big risk here is that I set aside too much money and the market outperforms what I've expected. I would much rather make the mistake of setting too much money aside than setting not enough money aside. And there is a huge stigma with debt as well. A lot of people are discouraged from maintaining debt, even if it is at very low rates, because they feel like all debt should be eliminated. Now, that is a great approach. It is not perfect for everybody all the time. You just have to weigh what's important to you at any particular time, what's, in, what's going to be important to you in the future. Because if you look at a typical long-term loan, let's say a mortgage, and let's say that you're paying the same amount every month over the course of 30 years, that $1,000 a month, say, that you're spending today, yes, 30 years from now, you will also be finishing up your $1,000 a month spending on your mortgage. But by that time, the effects of inflation, $1,000 is going to be a lot less if you're still working, of your income at that point because of how the value of the dollar changes over time relative to everything else in the world. Now, on the one hand, keep that in mind. On the other hand, keep in mind that for those long-term debts, you your income situation could change. You might not have income 30 years from now. That's an unpredictability. That is something that's an unknown. So you have to keep that in mind as well. It's just as it's maybe a little more predictable depending on, you know, what you know of yourself and your age. Then, you know, it's a little more predictable than relying on guesswork in the stock market. But at the same time, Anything can happen in life. We've seen it happen all the time where you believe your life is destined for one thing and then something happens and suddenly you're on a different path, whether it's your choice or not. You know, obviously there are lots of things that we can control in life, but there are lots of things that we cannot control in life. Yeah. And I think this is a good time to start talking about different types of debt and the approach that you can take while starting to invest or whether you should pay off this debt before investing. And I think a good place to start is with credit cards because those are the worst. <laughs> well, it's, it's, well, I mean, okay. 
it's definitely important to talk about how the type of debt has an impact on the decision. I wouldn't say that credit cards are the worst. I think, you know, short-term payday loans, that is probably something that we need to address as well, probably even before we get to credit cards, if we're going, you know, in, in any kind of order here. Okay, you win. That's the worst. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about those payday loans. I mean, those we're talking about interest rates of, you know, uh, when you annualize it out and figure out your APR, we're talking anywhere between what fifty percent and like three hundred percent, depending can go on even higher than that. Yeah, it can even go higher than that. It just depends on what state you're in and what kind of limits that particular state places on how things go. So you cannot realistically expect any sort of investment return that is going to overcome the <laughs> the interest you are paying on those short-term payday loans. And if you're taking out those loans, it's probably because you don't, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck or worse. And is investing something you should be thinking about? Yes, I think everybody's got to think about it. But let's, let's break this cycle just a little bit. Let's get settled. And there are other priorities. You know, you have to take care of the present before you can take care of the future. Investing is the future. Dealing with your cash flow, dealing with your income, dealing with everything else, dealing with the basic needs of life for your family. Those, those are, of course, the things that you need to deal with. That's your top priority. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point that you, before you start investing or, or moving forward with any sort of debt pay down plan, you do need to look at the underlying causes of why, why you need these instruments, why you keep using these resources to meet your needs and maybe make some changes. So now let's move on to credit cards. <laughs> I'm sorry for taking us on a tangent, no, but I, I just wanted to address that issue because I know it's something that we have listeners who are concerned about. So I think it's important. Sure. No, I agree. Definitely. Uh, one of the things with credit cards is once again, we're talking about a high interest rate. We're talking about uh, if, you, if you've got a really nice credit card, you can get a 9.99% interest rate. Yeah, but that's still a lot of interest to pay. Yeah, that's still a lot of interest to pay. But you and you are far more likely to be paying 15.9% or 21.99% or something in that range. So that's even more interest to pay. Yeah. And often we hear about low interest rate credit cards. Maybe there's a deal you have. Maybe you have 0% APR for 18 months or something like that. If you have good enough credit to qualify for an offer like that. And in that case, it makes sense to use your money for other things while still paying attention and making sure you're playing by the credit card issuer's rules or else they'll hit you with all that interest at the end. But you have to um, you have to look at this and say, well, credit cards are you know likely you're paying more than fifteen, twenty, or even twenty five percent in interest rates, and that is something that is very unlikely for you to make up with investing. Although we like to say money decisions aren't always about the numbers you have to make sure you're avoiding as much interest as possible. Now, it's still not black and white. It's still not a one it's still not a one or the other. It it can be a combination. And if you are making strong inroads towards paying down even high interest credit card uh debt, I think it's okay to start putting some money aside for investing. And I might be in the minority here because uh, I know that there are a lot of people in the financial industry who are so focused on the numbers that they say there is no way you'll ever make up a 15% interest rate through investing. Well, first of all, 
it is possible. It's highly unlikely, but it, it, it is possible. But that isn't the reason to invest. The reason to invest is because you've got to start making this habit sometimes, this habit of continually thinking about and planning for the future. And if that starts while you're in debt, I think as long as it's held in moderation and you are in control of the situation and you have money set aside for emergencies in the first place, you can make the decision to start investing, even if it is small scale, while you have high interest credit card debt. As long as you're keeping control of that and you're paying it down and you have a plan, I think it's better than not investing at all. And that's my opinion. No, I think that's a really good point is, uh, are you starting the habit? And even if it's a small amount, just starting the habit can be something that at least puts it at the top of your mind and helps you prioritize. Now, when I started investing, when I still had some credit card debt left, uh, I actually put more of it toward the investing than I did toward paying down the credit card debt, and it slowed down my efforts. And to this day, looking back, I probably would have done better if I had switched what I had done and actually put more of it toward reducing the credit card debt and put less of it toward investing, uh, just, just because of... Uh, how expensive that debt was. But I think that you do have to step back and look at your own finances. Uh, We mentioned that, you know, we want to look at it holistically and see where you stand and what matters to you. And how are, how are you building your, your credit, your habits, um, whatever they are. So let's move on to mortgages. Um, Should you pay off your mortgage early? I mean, you talked about having a mortgage for 30 years, but a lot of people are really into paying off their mortgage early and, you know, say trying to pay it off in 10 years or 15 years, or we hear these stories of people who just really hit it hard and they're going to pay it off in three years. So what do you think about that? I mean, does that make sense? Should you put off investing until you've paid off your mortgage early? Well, I think when you say a lot of people, I think there's a small percentage of people who have mortgages who are able to consider doing such a thing. I think most people are struggling to make their mortgage payment as it is, much less put more towards it. But those who do have the income available and the cash flow there to pay down mortgage, I think, again, it's a very personal question. And we've got to think about what some of the consequences might be. You know, like we said earlier, the low interest debt could be good to hold on to because it gives you more freedom to do more things with that money that could be better off, whether that's investing or whether it's, uh, it could be any number of things. And having a very low interest mortgage, and, and if you qualify for a tax deduction on that mortgage interest, that makes your effective interest rate even less. So I think that's an important consideration too. But do you want to still be having do you want to still be dealing with this debt 30 years down the road and if you want to be free from the shackles of debt when you're living your best life you know if that is 30 years from now then i think it's important to consider eliminating the debt a little faster. And again, it can be a combination. Uh you don't have to put all of your extra income towards paying off the mortgage. You can put some of that income towards enjoying your life. You can put it towards doing things that you want to do. You can put it towards investing when the interest rate is so low that you know the the expense of interest just 
isn't significant enough for you to be concerned about it. If you're of the other mindset where you need to feel free, the only way you can feel free is by eliminating all debt, then by all means, put more towards it. The important thing is to run the numbers and understand the advantage that investing might have for you over paying off debt or the advantage of holding on to your more your your low interest rate mortgage over the long term. It's important to know what the consequences are and then you can make the decision a more informed decision to say I understand that there's a great possibility of me being better off financially if I invest instead of paying off this low mortgage interest uh low low interest mortgage but being in that place where you can make that decision is important and you have to be aware and know exactly what the decision is that you're making. Yeah. And I know that when I had a mortgage, I was not interested in paying it off terribly early. I did switch to biweekly payments, which theoretically speaking, before I sold the house, uh, would have knocked off about six years of my mortgage, but that's not a huge difference and it didn't change the way I invested. Part of the reason is, I mean, we're looking at, a ta- I was looking at a tax deduction for the, the interest rate. It was a lower interest rate and at least, you know, my home was building some sort of equity. And so being able to look at it from that standpoint really helped me say, you know, I really am not interested in taking, you know, if I took an extra $400 a month and applied it to my mortgage, I could pay it off much faster. But that money is probably better working for me if I take that 400 extra $400 a month and put it toward investing and and building my retirement fund. And that's sort of the math that I did and sort of what I used. And it worked out pretty well, especially since when it did come time to sell the house, and we did have to sell it quickly. uh, And I compared how much I ended up with, which was nothing uh, to how much I had made over the years investing. The investing really went out by quite a lot. Yeah, and that's often the case. I mean, we often hear about great investment returns for real estate, but it never seems to play out that way in reality. Once you factor in the idea, and this is very important, that there are lots of fees and lots of expenses that go into maintaining a house that eliminate whatever it is that you think that advantage is. You know, the cost of owning a house over 30 years is surprisingly high. And for people to say, well, I bought this house in one year uh, for this price, I sold the house 10 years later for twice the amount of money, we forget to incorporate all the costs of maintaining that. And if we include those, as we would with an investment, because that's all called cost basis, if we include the cost of maintaining that house as as an investment, if we're doing it right, then we're including the real estate broker fees, we're including maintenance fees, we're including taxes, we're including homeowners association, and suddenly that beautiful double... 200% return that you got or 100% return or 500% return, whatever it is, and whatever environment over time, it, it is a lot smaller on an annualized basis when you figure in those fees. So just keep that in mind as you're weighing this decision in terms of whether you're going to make a lot of money when you sell your house. And a lot of the times we expect to stay for 30 years, but we very rarely do. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, and the other thing to keep in mind is real estate markets. We hear all these stories about, oh, well, you know, sell your home and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of the time, those are markets that are completely different than what most of us live in. Most of us live in the middle of the country 
where the real estate market is fairly solid and fairly stolid. It'll have its little ups and downs, but it's not going to, you know, you're not going to find amazing foreclosure deals like you do in like Arizona or California. And if you have enough money to swoop in on them and wait for five or 10 years, then you'll be able to make a huge profit. That's not where most of us live. Most of us live in a place where by the time you figure in taking away for taxes and maintenance and repairs and everything else, uh, you are going to be lucky to see a 2 to 3% annual appreciation in your home. Yeah, that's a lot more realistic. So that's, that's important to factor in when we're thinking about whether we pay off the mortgage early or not. You know, if we're just, you just don't count on appreciation of real estate. And we really shouldn't be looking as the ho- home you live in as an investment in the first place course it is. It is an asset. It is an asset that will increase in value over time if maintained well. But still, it's it's also the home you live in, and it provides you with more than just a value on a balance sheet. It provides you with your security and your safety and, and your shelter. And that has a value that isn't expressed on a balance sheet. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. We, we like to boil this down to the finances, using numbers to figure out what the best answer is. And a lot of time, that's, that's not always going to be the case. You have to look at the big picture. Yeah. And going along with that, let's uh, move on to student loans. A lot of us have student loans today. It's practically impossible to get through college these days without some measure of student debt. So what about paying off your student loans? You know, should you pay off your student loans early before you start investing? What, What do you think? Yeah, this is this is really interesting. And I think I think a lot of it depends on almost the field that you're in. And and it's very interesting because, you know, through federal loans, everyone pays the same interest rate regardless of the type of field that they're going into or the type of field or the degree that they're studying for, Um, which is interesting because when you figure that some degrees earn more money than other degrees. So I paid the same interest rate for my loan for a music education degree that my floor mate, when I lived in a dorm in college, who was studying engineering, he paid the same interest rate when he probably, you know, if he were to continue with a career in engineering versus my projected career in education, he would have earned a lot more money than me and would have paid back, been able to handle those student loans a lot better than I would have been able to. Of course, you never know how life is going to turn out, especially when you're young and in college, uh, if you follow the traditional path of uh, entering college after high school. So, I mean, these, these are, again, it's a lot more guesswork, but the bottom line is that student loans, uh, federal student loans, generally have low interest rates. And it's set up in such a way with income-based repayment plans and lots of other things like deferment available to borrowers. It makes it possible to start investing. And I think that's a really great opportunity. And I wouldn't hold off on investing just because you're paying off student loans. And I think that's a really good point. And for me personally... I actually consolidated my student loan debt back in 2005, and my interest rate is 1.9%. So I actually don't care to pay off my student loans early. I am not trying to pay them off early. The interest rate on them that I do pay is tax deductible, which reduces the total cost of the loans. I have no interest in paying them off early because any money that I would put toward paying, like any extra money I'd put toward my student loans would not 
even come close to earning the kind of return I, I can potentially get through investing. I mean, 1.9%, that's really pretty low. And incidentally, on another note, uh, talking about consumer debt, that's also why I haven't paid off my car loan early, because I was able to get a 1.9% interest rate on it. And uh, even though it's a depreciating liability, I can do other things with that money that actually make up for it, like invest. So uh, I have these really low rates, and I'm comfortable with that. So I don't try and pay that kind of stuff off early. I go ahead and take the money I would have used to pay it off early and invest it. One thing to keep in mind, though, when we're talking about student loans is unlike other types of debt, federal student loans and most consolidated loans cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. So uh, if you are to hit bad times, you know, this is one type of debt that will stick with you. And for some people, that might influence whether they accelerate their student loan debt payoff. If they believe that there's a possibility of that happening at some point, that could be the one thing that prioritizes this low interest loan over even paying off high interest borrowing like credit cards. If they see something coming along the horizon where they are going to have to declare bankruptcy, you know, that that changes the picture quite a bit. And it's important to keep in mind that, you know, special protection given student lenders because they have the situation where they can still collect and they can do many different things to continue to collect that money if you default and if you declare bankruptcy. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. Uh, what, what kind of situation do you think you're going to find you're stuck, stuck in, depending on what you do? And I think one of the things to consider when you're deciding whether to pay off any sort of debt early or invest is what is your sleep level at night? What's going to help you sleep at night? This is a very, very personal decision, and, and you definitely need to take that into account. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to what we said about the numbers versus versus a non-numerical approach to making these decisions based on what you're comfortable with. And one of the most important things to remember is investing and succeeding with investing is about forming habits. It's easy to form those habits when you're younger, certainly. The earlier you get started with investing, the better off you are in the end. And that often means at least to some extent, investing while you're still in the process of paying off debt. That just happens to be how things work out, especially as we're entering adulthood often in debt thanks to student loans and maybe even credit cards and some of the other necessities that we have for for having a job like a car. So yes, if you have been utterly convinced by someone that all debt is evil and no one should ever be in debt and you need to get out of it as soon as possible and for some reason you hold on to that tightly, by all means do what you need to do to pay off that debt just realize that you are sacrificing a little bit of your future by not getting started with investing ASAP. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point. Looking for that balance and finding something, even if it's just a very small amount, some way to just get started and start that habit is, is very important. So uh, what are some of the do nows that we can do to start figuring out paying down debt while investing? What, what are some things we can do? The first thing you need to do is to write down your debts. And this comes back to something that, you know, we've all been saying for many years, and that's keep track of your finances. I use personal capital. I use Quicken. uh, Use a pen and paper if that's what it takes to figure out exactly what your financial situation is, figure out what those interest rates are, and come up with a debt payoff plan. 
the debt snowball approach. Chances are you've heard of it before. That takes your smallest debts and pays them off first and then moves on from there. Yeah, the debt snowball is all about ordering it by the size of your balance. And then there's another one called the debt avalanche, which is ordering it by the highest interest rate. I should probably the debt point out at this point that I did coin the term debt avalanche back at Consumerism Commentary many years ago. And the point of that one is to pay your debts off in order of highest interest rate to lowest interest rate. Very similar to the debt snowball, but it does pay off your total debt faster if you stick with it. And the way both of these work is that you pay the minimums to all of your debt, uh, make those minimum payments every month, and then any cash that you have left over, any income that hasn't been assigned anywhere else, whether it's to savings or to charity, you can choose whether to do all that kind of stuff. But anything else that you want to set aside for paying debt, it all goes to your highest interest rate for the debt avalanche, or it goes to the one with the smallest balance to pay off as many accounts faster for the debt snowball. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that the main advantage to the debt snowball is not in the actual numbers because it does take a little bit longer and you do end up paying a little bit more overall. The advantage to the debt snowball is the quick win that gives you that happy feeling to keep going. Yeah, Uh, I mean, we can do a podcast about this, but I have said many times that there are quick wins possible with the debt avalanche, and it is is certainly just as effective as a debt snowball. It just hasn't been marketed the same way and isn't as popular, but you can get those quick quick wins with the debt avalanche. Anyway, yeah, it just comes down to whatever works best for you and what's going to help you keep moving forward in the end, because it's more important to keep moving forward than it is to give up at some point for whatever reason. Absolutely. Right. So so next, uh, consider opening an investment account that doesn't have a minimum requirement just so you're prepared. Uh, you can also open, there are lots of these accounts now online. Uh, you can also open accounts at places like Acorns where they'll automatically invest your pocket change. The fees there are a little out of whack. It's a little bit higher um, if you have a smaller balance, but once you get going, it can overcome that. And if you do have a one hundred, if you do have one hundred dollars a month, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite places, and I'm not getting paid to say this, although I wish I were, is Betterment. So there are places you can open accounts. You don't need to maintain a minimum. You don't need to put any money in them, but it can help to open an investment account and just uh, get a feel for what it looks like and, and what you're going to be doing. Yeah, just get in the habit and you know make it automated as much as possible. I hope that many of our listeners are getting direct deposit for those who have jobs. Uh, Make sure you have a bank account. I think that's really important. And once you do, you can automate investments. And it is so easy. You don't even have to think about it, although you should continue to think about it and to monitor things. But at least making sure that the system is already automatically investing for you. You don't have to worry about it. It becomes just second nature and it's a part of what you do and it's a part of what there what's there and when you view it that way it's like you 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 forget that you have that money in the first place you know you think you'll have less money to spend and you realize that it really didn't make a difference at all you can do that and you can even add more and it's such a great way to build a positive financial habit for the future 
Yeah, and that's definitely one of the things you want to move forward. And finally, make sure that now is a good time to perform an, an assessment to estimate how much you think you'll need in retirement. According to the Employee Benefit Research Institute, less than half of people have even looked at what they might need in retirement. They haven't even assessed what they might need. So now is a good time to do that because it'll give you a really good idea of why investing is very important. And who's to say what retirement is going to look like many years down the road anyway? People retiring today are often doing things other than just moving to Florida and sitting on the beach or at the pool all day. They are working. Retirement already doesn't look like it looked in previous generations. And previous generations' retirement didn't even exist years before that. Um, the, the idea of middle-class retirement you know, that might be just a short-lived thing. We might not see the likes of that again, but we don't know. So we've got to plan something. And it could be the case that we're working for our entire lives, or it could be the case that the economy works out well, there's a solid middle class in the future, and we're able to enjoy our lives doing something other than working after a long period of working throughout life. Um, And at the same time, there are people who want to retire early, whatever that means, and be financially independent. All of this comes into play when you're figuring out exactly how you want to structure your finances so that this can happen for you. The problem is we a lot of questions we just don't know the answers to because they lie so far into the future. Right. And and getting that solid start now and at least working it out is a good way to start. Absolutely. So we do have a listener question. I'd like to start investing, but I'm not sure how. Are there places to get started when you don't have a lot of money or places to learn about what to do first? Yeah. So I think a good place to start is looking. there, There are plenty of books out there that can help you figure this stuff out. There's some great stuff by John Bogle that you can find uh, to help you get an idea of you know, how to, you, can, you can use index funds in your, in your strategy. Uh, the Intelligent Investor is a great one for learning about value investing. So these are good resources to start learning about how to invest money. And if you just want to get started, there are lots of places you can go. We mentioned them a little bit earlier in the show where you can get started even though you don't have a lot of money. And just setting aside you know, 50 or $100 a month is a good place to get started. Yeah, it almost doesn't matter how you start as long as you start something. And maybe you'll make some mistakes at first. It's okay to make mistakes. My first actual investment outside of a retirement plan was a mistake. I had an investment that was invested for me when I was probably 13 or 14. And I thought it would be a good idea once I started making enough money to continue to add to that investment. And I would just buy in, I don't know, $100 a month on that same investment. Here's the problem. It was a mistake because that was a load fund. That meant that every time I invested, every time I made that $100 investment, so every month I was paying a fee to the investment company that I wasn't even aware of. And I was trying to figure out why the price according to my tracking uh, software, would spike every day that I bought the investment. 
And it turns out that that was because the price of the investment that I was getting, the price had a fee built into it. So I wasn't getting the normal price for that investment. It was a mutual fund. So say it was, you know, five seventy five a share. Well, I was paying six twenty five a share because there was this fee that was being built in. So I was making a mistake my first time. Eventually, I learned enough and I figured it out, but it was still better that I got started doing something, even though it was, uh, you know, even though I was paying a fee. I just got started. And then later on, I figured out what I should be doing. And I moved that to um, an indexed fund, which is where it should have been in the first place. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And on that note, I think now is a great time to end for this week. Uh, Remember to check us out at adulting.tv for articles and resources and to ask us your questions. Uh, We can answer them in an upcoming episode or with an article on the website. And don't forget to subscribe using adulting.tv slash iTunes. Uh, You can leave us a review on iTunes as well. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook community, hashtag adulting. We'd love to hear your investing stories. How did you get started? What are some of the challenges you face? And where do you want to go next? So be sure to join us next week as we talk more about adulting. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.